Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Unbiased Trailblazers. We're going to get into, because we didn't go into game one, we're going to get a little bit into game one and game two all in one podcast here. So it's going to be an extended podcast, probably, if I had to assume, but we're going to get into it. Uh, We're also going to get into the, we had a couple listeners give us some questions, some takes to, you know, talk about. So we're going to also do that. So why don't we start off with Fawad? We're going to do some player evaluations. We each picked two players that we wanted to kind of evaluate. We'll start with Fawad. Go ahead, Fawad. Who's your first player? So the first person I chose is the best player on the team, Damian Lillard. Obviously, both games, he was exceptional. For the first game, he had 34 and 13, which is absolutely ridiculous. He didn't shoot amazing, but he still shot like decent, especially from three. He was 5 for 12. Overall, it was just okay. It was 40%. But uh, game two, he shot a lot better, both from a uh, field goal percent- percentage overall. And obviously, we all saw how ridiculous he was from three, especially in the first half. I think he went eight for 10, and then he had that one, like, missed that. Was, he was trying to draw a foul, so I didn't even count that in my head. So he was just, like, he was a flamethrower. He couldn't miss anything in game two. And he finished with 42 and 10, which is still, he still got 10 assists despite everyone else not as great. So obviously he hasn't been the issue at all in either of these two games. He was single-handedly keeping us in it in game two, and he was obviously the biggest reason why we won game one. So if he continues how he's playing, I think we should be good for the series. And the other player I want to talk about is Norman Powell, who on the flip side is, in my opinion, the most disappointing player in the series so far. Um, First game, he shot poorly. It didn't really matter because we won, but he was uh, three for 11, one for four from three, and... You know, like nothing else that significant. He had four assists, which is not bad. Um, but was, again, we won, so it wasn't really that big of an issue, especially since like other players all played really well. Then game two, especially in the second half, Dane was starting to get like doubled really hard. We needed either Norm Powell or CJ to step up like significantly, and they both like played okay in the second half, but they were trash in the first half, and they should have been able to do more in the first half. Norm Powell finished. He shot fine, five for nine. Uh, he went 0 for 3 from 3 again, and I know at least two of them were wide open, so that was a little bit disappointing to see. Uh, no assists, no steals. He had two blocks, which is not bad. But overall, I really expected more from him, especially since uh, like we traded away one of my favorite players in Gary Trenton Jr., and I know he would have hit an open 3 when, I, when he had the shot. So I really hope in Game 3 and 4, if Dame is receiving such um, such a big... Uh, attention from the defense hopefully norm steps it up a little bit more gets at least 20 points that's what i'm hoping to so i'll I'll jump in real quick with dame of course obviously that second quarter was insane that run he went on and the thing with with him doing that is you know we come to expect that and it's like almost sometimes like our team relies on him to make these Mm -hmm crazy runs where he's you know 22 points in one quarter and then as you see in that third and fourth quarter that's almost impossible to maintain the whole game you're that is an insane rate of usage that he's going through and making some pretty crazy shots from half court with people in his face you know step back step to the side those are all shots that he can make all the time but you can't expect someone to sustain that all game long. And you can see in the third and fourth quarter, they switched up. They put Aaron Gordon on him, which we'll talk about later. That that length, that difference of defense, Dame can't keep continuing to do the same things he does. And it's, it's not Dame's fault at all. The, the team has to come around 
him and be able to lift him up in the third and fourth quarter if he's, you know, being doubled. And then as far as Norman Powell goes, it has been a disappointing series for him. I will say the one benefit I think is I've noticed he hasn't been used the way he was in the regular season. Those, you know, few games that we had him, he's been a lot more spot up in the corner, you know, last second shot, you know, towards the end of the, I think it was the fourth quarter. I, he started to drive a lot more. He got that super nice dunk towards the yeah, end of the game did, before they took him yeah. out. He so did have a couple of nice drives. That, you know, yeah. It's, it's promising it. to see him going back to driving. Like you said, he was over three from three and two of them, like you said, were wide open. He should have made those, but it's just, I think it's the usage that they're giving him right now. He's not getting as many plays called for him to let him do what he wants to do. But I do agree that even those open shots, he should be knocking those down. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess we can move on to Mike. So, Mike, you, I know you have a, two players you want to evaluate, so I'll go ahead and let you do those two players. Go for it. Yeah, I went uh, with two role players because I think uh, both were key to get a comfortable win. Uh, the first one was Anthony Simons. He shot five from six, four from five from three, made uh, some cool defensive plays and got two assists, which is very rare for Anthony Simons. Um, some stats I, I chalked up. His first three, uh, just to... Just to capture the impact when he came in, his first three, we were down by seven. His second three, the game was tied. And when he hit his third three, he made us up by seven. So I think he had a huge impact. Uh, him and Melo coming in to the game. And yeah, the, the other player is Melo, which uh, had that uh, amazing first score, 12 points in like uh, five minutes. And then got another three in the start of the second. 18 points all game. And... Um, one thing that I talked about in the first podcast that, that we needed and um, that he showed is that we needed for him to be a good defender, to be positive, for we, for, for we could be able to sustain having a good scorer in, out there and uh, not uh, sacrificing defense. And uh, he for sure exceeded my expectations. I was expecting for him to be good, but he was very good on defense. Um, most notably, he did that... Uh, that beautiful swipe steal on Millsip and uh, that forced turnover on Aaron Gordon down crunch time. So yeah, I think these two players were uh, a huge key to winning game one. Uh, I cannot say the same, obviously, for game two. We'll get to that. So, Fawad, do you have anything you want to add on those two players? I feel like Mike covered everything. They were both like exceptional in game one. Like I, We couldn't really ask for uh, I guess Melo took one bad shot in game one, but that's the only negative I can They're both flawless. Yeah, I, I think Simon's coming in and just... The only thing I ever expect for players is if they have an open shot, I feel like those shots should go in, especially when you're shooting 43%. If it's an open shot, Simon's made those open shots, and that's all that I... You know, if I was Lillard and I passed to him, that's all that I would want to see is I got you an open shot. I, you know, the defense focused on me. You have a wide open shot. You take it, make it. That's good for us. So him making in that game one, making all those threes. And I think he even made a couple contested threes, too. So it's he made some huge shots. And for him to this being his real like playoff experience here for the first time, that's a super big plus for us. 
Absolutely. So my two players I have, I have uh, Nurkic and CJ. Um, starting with game one, I think CJ had a decent game. He didn't shoot very well. He was 8 of 20 and 3 of 7 from 3. He finished with 21 points. Um, but he was still effective. The shots that he was missing were open shots. So I feel like in that game one, I, I felt fine with him miss, you know, taking those shots and missing them because they were good shots. Uh, my biggest concern with him in game one was, and honestly throughout the whole season, is his, his vision. There were, there were a couple plays where Norman was wide open on the three, and he you know, would dribble back out and then try to penetrate. I think CJ's ability to create for other people sometimes he gets so wrapped up in creating for himself that there were a couple times that he could have passed off to someone for an open shot. And I mean, I can't fault him. He's a good offensive player and he makes a majority of the, of the shots he takes, but I think his playmaking could help us win more games. If he were to be able to pass to more open people, which then leads into game two, where he had a better shooting night. He was nine of 12 and two of three. So, I mean, he did shoot a lot better. And it was it was like a quiet shooting night because you wouldn't. I didn't even think he went nine of twelve. And when I looked at the stats and saw that, I was like, oh wow, he shot really well. Uh, he had six rebounds, which is as a good plus, uh, two assists. But the biggest thing last night was turnovers. He had five turnovers, and that killed us. A lot of times they were they were just crucial turnovers where we were making a run and he, the ball would get turnover. So I think that hurt us on the offensive end. And yeah, I mean, it, it's going to happen that Denver is a good defensive team and they were putting pressure on everybody. So it's going to happen. But I think game two, I think the biggest thing for CJ was just those turnovers were killing us. And I'm sure he would probably say the same thing. Um, as far as Nurkic goes game one, I think he played amazing. He was seven of 10. Uh, he had 12 rebounds, 16 points. Uh, I think he had five assists, if I remember right. So, and most importantly, he, yes, Jokic scored, you know, I think Jokic had 34 points, I think, in the first game. Yes, he scored a lot, but Jokic's game is not only scoring, it's playmaking and creating for others. And with only allowing one assist, I think, I think Nurk played amazing defense on him. He, those shots that a lot of shots that Jokic made were tough shots to make, and he had to he had to work for those points. So I think that was good. And game two, foul trouble obviously was the big big part of the game. He, I mean, he was in foul trouble pretty much right away. I think if I remember right, he had two fouls pretty early. Um, he only finished with seven points. He was two of eight, and had he did have thirteen rebounds. But the the what. What I was concerned about in this whole series was fouls, him getting in foul trouble, and then us having to go to Cantor on defense, who we obviously know that that's not what he specializes in. So that this game right here showed it. When Nurkic got into foul trouble, Jokic just, he went off 38 points. I think he had five assists, I think is what it was. So still not a high assist game, but he was still scoring, and the the scoring was much easier for him. He went 15 of 20, so he was scoring a lot easier. He wasn't having to work as hard. Um, so those were my two big takeaways from the games. 
I want to add on to CJ on in game two a little bit. You said it was like a quiet nine for twelve. I feel like part of that was because for honestly the first maybe ever at least in a while, I felt like CJ was playing too passive. He wasn't being taking enough shots. When Dame like needed someone to come like relieve him of his efforts, CJ would like hold the ball. He try to see a shot, and if he couldn't get something, he he just passed it off. And normally he would like attack. He's one of the most creative guys in the league with his dribbling, and he wasn't really doing that. He was just seeing if he didn't get an open shot, he was passing it off in my. And I we needed him to be more aggressive and like just attack the basket, even take his mid ranges. He didn't really. I just think he should have taken more shots. Twelve shots is like probably a significant amount below his average. That. 12 shots, I mean, I I would have to imagine he averages probably 16 or 17 shots. Yeah. 12 is way under. And exactly. and for him shooting 9 of 12, that means he's shooting the ball good. So, you know, you, you shoot good, you should keep shooting. So, yeah, you're you're 100% right on that. Uh, Mike, uh, in in my opinion, oh, um, sorry. CJ um, had probably the worst game of all time for somebody shooting 80, over 80%. I think um, every he sh he chose like every crucial part of the game to do something stupid, uh, and it, it was not his fault. Um, Denver's defense uh, was good, but he could definitely bail out a, a couple of those turnovers. And it was five turnovers is uh, a mental number, but he forced a couple too on other players too with uh, with yep. some bad passes. So I think uh, this number could be even took like to seven or eight. So I think it was he couldn't do this. He, it's playoffs. You gotta bring it. Um, this uh, is again to erase from the memory. He cannot play like this. And uh, same thing about Nurk. Um, I think uh, I'm not sure about this, uh, but from memory, I think he ended the first quarter with zero fouls. So I was very surprised when he fouled out, especially. With him like not playing a lot of the third quarter, uh, a lot of the second quarter, he came in on the third and got a, all the quick fouls, which he absolutely cannot do. Uh, Jokic is he's going to hit the shot anyway. If he's not hitting the shot, he's going to hit the free throws. I think you can't be like that aggressive. Uh, you should be more aggressive on the mid range than when Jokic drives. When Jokic drives, he's going to get a bucket or a foul, and if he gets a foul, he's getting the buckets. So I think you should be more aggressive on the mid range where you don't get yourself in foul trouble and you can um, supposedly make him ice a little bit, uh, then be aggressive on when he drives in, draw those quick fouls. And, you know, now that I think back to it, you are right. He didn't have two fouls in the first quarter, and I think I said he did, so you are correct on that. He didn't. I don't think he had any fouls in the first quarter, which is even more frustrating that he goes into the second quarter with no fouls and then he's still in foul trouble at the end of the game. Yeah. So with that, we're going to move on to our next topic, which is the review of game two. So obviously we lost 128 to 109. So the series is tied 1-1, going back to Portland for game three. Uh, go ahead, Fawad. Tell me kind of just what you thought the team overall, how they played. I'm going to try to put in as nicest terms as possible. We played like, other than Dame, we played like absolute great. We had so many turnovers. I think it was 21 turnovers. And I, I don't know this, like if it's for sure, but I would say at least half of them were unforced. Either we just stepped out of bounds or we just lost our dribble, but horrible passes. It was so frustrating to watch. I was like punching things in my room like the entire game. It was one of the most frustrating games I've seen in, in a while. 
Yeah, the the turnovers. I think the first game, I think we had six turnovers. Six. Yeah, six in the so entire game. From six to twenty-one, that is huge. And I mean, it that that kills you. Any momentum you have, turnovers kill it right away. So yes, and I agree. Yeah, I think that, most of them were unforced. That uh, run Dame had in the second quarter, we cut it to four, and then we had like two or three turnovers in a row, and like in the next minute, it jumped to a twelve point a half, or maybe you eleven. Know, if if you say if you told me some some player scored twenty two points in one quarter, and the team still was <laughs> down, that would it would be crazy to think that for someone to hit that many threes in a row, score twenty two points in one quarter and still be down, and or at least not it be, you know, a one or two possession game. It's just crazy to think. I I can't even like talk about it without getting mad. Yeah. So, Mike, game two, Denver made some adjustments on defense. Do you think that uh, that played a role in how bad we played, or do you think it was just an off game for us? I think that um, that definitely played a role, but uh, we could have definitely countered it. Um, like the biggest adjustment they made, and we'll get to that. Uh, is putting Aaron Gordon on Dame. Uh, and I feel like the team, even though Aaron Gordon was on Dame and Dame wasn't able to create as much as he could, the team was still um, always passing to Dame. Like you mentioned, uh, CJ McCollum, uh, when, when he gets the ball, he almost doesn't look at anyone but the rim. And he, and he did like seven or eight times when Lillard made him the pass and he just gave it back to him. Just for Willard to not create a good look, although he still scored uh, in the second half, he he didn't score much. I think uh, ten points. Yeah. Um, so their adjustments were good, but uh, we could have definitely countered it. Um, DJJ was brought in. Uh, I don't know why he came in at that point of the game, uh, because we were we weren't having bad defense at that time. Uh, Norman Powell was getting on foul trouble, but I, I don't think it was enough for putting him in just for that reason. Uh, and the, the, the most adjustments we needed were on offense. Uh, Lillard didn't have the second guy. Uh, CJ was not taking, almost didn't take any trees. He took three trees this game. Uh, he made two, so he should have made more, uh, should have took more. Norman Powell only took three threes, the only player that took Above four threes was Mellow, and he only hit one. So we would needed that second guy. So we should have we should have went for a, a small ball lineup, where um, we went for a small ball, but it was already too late. We should have went for a small ball lineup where we got a Anthony Simons out there and a Robert Covington at the five. We should have went for that sooner, so uh, we could move the ball around um, and. Uh, Oh, for threes, like in game one, we did that amazing ball movement play where, when Dame, Anthony, Covington, Cantor, and Simons were in. That, that was amazing play, and we, we needed that in this game. We needed one, just one play like that would have probably shared our, our whole momentum, but that lineup was never present in the game, or if it was, it was for a very short span of time. And, and that lineup is the one that gives probably the Lillard the most options because uh, if he misses, he's got Kent or offensive board, and if he passes out to someone, it's Melo or 
and Fernie, which are percentage-wise our best three-point shooters. We didn't give him those second options. I think we failed on that, and that was kind of the key for us falling down. Yeah, and so to add on to that, to me, one of the biggest things I noticed in that game was the ball movement, that there really was not much ball movement. And I think that's in past games or is what we see a lot is a lot of iso ball, a lot of one pass, you go score, one pass to me, I'll go score, you take your shot, I'll take my shot. And especially in the playoffs, that you cannot win that way. We went from 29 assists in the first game to 15 assists in the second game, and Lillard had 10 of them. So ball movement and and like you said that play in game one where they you know pretty much everybody touched the ball and we got a wide open three we need that to win and especially in games when they're doubling lillard right off the bat right at half court you know putting pressure on them ball movement beats that so to me ball movement is super important for the you know these next couple games and i think that and i want to get your guys' opinion on this with them putting aaron gordon on lillard and essentially doubling him off the pick and roll every time. Should we go more off ball with Lillard? Should we let someone else bring the ball up and let Lillard be off ball? What do you guys think about that? I'm always in favor of mixing it up, but I do think uh, we shouldn't keep, uh, put Dame off ball too much more, maybe like a couple here and there. But I think the biggest adjustment that we could do, in my opinion, is... Uh, one, I don't think Canner should get as many minutes as he's been getting, and he hasn't even been getting that much. But whenever he comes on, we give up a lot of points. So I think we should, uh, like you guys, like uh, Mike said earlier, I think we should go a lot more small ball without, so either like Melo or Rocco at center. And about the traps, uh, I think we just need uh, Norm and CJ to be more aggressive, come take the ball away from Dame when he does get trapped, and then make something uh, out of the four on three that's the rest of the Exactly. Mike, do you have anything uh, to add? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, there was something I was uh, commenting a few months back on the trade deadline. We lack a secondary ball handler, a secondary point guard. CJ can ball handle, but he can ball handle to make his shot. He cannot ball handle to make other shots. Our backup point guard is Anthony Simons, which rarely, very rarely presses the ball. He's a spot-up shooter. Uh, and as he's... He's good at it, but that that's not what we need uh, in a point guard. Um, we for sure lack a point guard, and you can see on these games where we double Lillard that we needed a guy like uh, maybe Ricky Rubio, George Hill, something like that, just so we could take the pressure off Dame and have that guy ball handle and find, find the shots. Um, I was uh, kind of thinking about it uh, yesterday, the closest thing you can do is um, uh, have mellow ball handle and uh, run plays off the pick and rolls you do with him. But uh, even that is is like already like s scratching the problem. Uh, I think we needed that point guard. We don't have it, so there's not much we can do. Uh, but yeah, uh, the the biggest thing we could do is uh, maybe yeah do that thing with mellow. Maybe uh, more pick and rolls. Uh, more passes uh, around the three-point line, which we don't do. Uh, it's always inside three-point line. We don't move around the tree. So, yep. yeah. 
So, and I think what happened in this second game is we started off trying to do pick and rolls and they were doubling Lillard right off the bat. And there was a couple turnovers and forced passes that, you know, got turned over that they started to go away from it because of the adjustments that Denver made on it. So I do think getting back into it on game three is very important. Putting Jokic in those pick and rolls, you know, tiring him out on defense as much as you can. If he's going to come out and try to stop Lillard, Lillard's got to take advantage of it drive in, pass out if he has to. Uh, I mean, Lillard's good at doing everything, so you have to make Jokic work on defense just as much as you make him work on offense. Yeah. So, I, go, go ahead. I was just saying I totally agree. Yeah, Picking so... Picking are like bread and butter. You gotta get yes. back to it. Especially when you have someone like Lillard who can, you know, drive yeah. to the hole and shoot, spot up, shoot, pull up, anything. So with yeah. that being said, we'll we'll just touch on it very quickly because we've kind of already talked about it. Game three adjustments. What do you think we have to do to make adjustments to win this game? We have covered like almost everything that I had to say, but I'll just reiterate it. Um, small ball. I think when Nurk goes to the bench, less and more. I I would like to see DJ DJJ more, but if not, then um. Uh, Maybe like Roko and uh, Mello at the four and five. I think that has some. We tried it like a couple games in the regular season. I thought it was decent, so I think it's worth trying, even though it might. Uh, and then the other thing, yeah, go back to seems like one of the best handlers in the league uh, of the last few years. That is his. That's his strength. He can do anything out of and roll. So go back to that. Hope uh, and then. He has so many options. He can even he can drive, he can pass to the roller, he can kick it out to a shooter. That's our key, that's the key to our offense, and it has been for you. I don't think we should shy away from. It. Uh, Mike, do you have anything you would like to add for game three adjustments? Like I said, I know we've already talked about a majority of it. So yeah, I got one, um, and it is uh, starting mellow over norm. Uh, this is a series uh, where. This is probably the only series where, where I would ask for that because they have very tall forwards. And um, although Norm can be a positive defender sometimes and Melo can be negative sometimes, Norm cannot guard either um, uh, Aaron Gordon or MPJ. Uh, and I think Norm being inconsistent is kind of forcing uh, Dame to be the one option and the only option. So having Mel out there, who has been more consistent from the T-point line uh, than Norm, having him out there uh, would help on that. He can create, he can pick and roll. He's our, probably our best pick and roll after Nurkic. He can do that. He can back the trees. And he has, he has been playing good defense, and he, he, he has proven that he can guard Aaron Gordon. He can guard Michael Porter Jr. And the Norm absolutely cannot. He's undersized, which is which can be good against other teams. Like, Denver is probably one of the tallest teams uh, we are going to face in the playoffs, uh, other than, like, the Clippers. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think the the only adjustment I'd make is to start Carmelo in the rest of the games because he he has, has been showing more. And uh, this is not a time to give chances. This is a time to see who's playing now. It's, it's, we need to win games now. It's now or never, so we need to play who is playing good now. And Melo is playing better than Norm now, and he's defending better. So he absolutely needs to start. 
So let me ask you a question on that then. If we were to start Carmelo, do you think with the effort he would have to put on defense guarding either, you know, MPJ or Gordon, do you think for one, his offense is going to suffer from that? And do you also think that he has the stamina to, you know, play more minutes, tougher minutes because it is the playoffs? I wouldn't put him playing uh, the same minutes as Norman is playing now. He's averaging 36 a game. And uh, I think Melo's capacity right now is uh, 30, 32 minutes tops. Um, his offense would um, would suffer from it. Maybe on uh, more post-up shots, more creation, more driving. But I think his spot-up, which is what Dame needs, he needs a bailing-out person, which he, he's not having right now. Norm is missing a lot. He needs that he can drive and he can bail out to someone. Melo is usually the guy that he bails out. And with him not being there at the start of the first and at the start of the third, which is probably the the time of the games where we suffer the most, uh, we were down bad at the start of the first and we were down bad at the start of the third. So with him having him there, just to spot up, which is just what he needs to do, spot up and defend, uh, it, it would be better for the lineup overall. Okay. Uh, Fawad, do you have anything you want to add? Um, I was just looking at how many minutes Melo played last game. played 12, I think. Uh, I wouldn't mind upping him to 24 or 25. Um, I don't think Stotts would change the lineup, and I don't know if he should either. But I would be open to um, just more lineups in general with uh, Dame, CJ, Melo, uh, Nurk, and then either Covington or even Norman Powell again. Um, but I do think that Norm is having some issues guarding MPJ. And I don't know if Melo is the solution, but I would like to see different coverages. I personally want it to be Derek Jones Jr. I don't know if that will happen, but I'd be open to it. Yeah, uh, I was going to touch on him, but I forgot. The, the solution for me is also Derek Jones Jr., but... Uh... I'm being more realistic now because that seems to hate Derek Jones Jr. <laughs> so uh, I went with Melo. So that leads us to the listener takes slash questions. And actually, two of them we've already talked about is from Young Crayon. He, he asked, what's our take on the mid-game adjustment Denver made putting Gordon on Dame? And I know we talked about it earlier. I'll just I'll put a little bit into it. I think for Denver, that was an extremely smart move. Gordon's a, a pretty good defender. He's long, he's quick, he's athletic. So I think as far as Denver goes, that was a smart move. And I'm hoping that we can figure out a way to get a switch off on some pick and rolls that leaves Dame not on Gordon. I was honestly surprised that Aaron Gordon didn't start on Dame in game one. But yeah, it was definitely a good move to uh to there and uh, hopefully yeah we um figure that out better pick and rolls um guys hitting their shots guys attacking the things to mix it up get denver on their toes about like what we're gonna do. okay and i'm gonna address this one to mike can we expect more djj this is also from young crayon no uh i think uh because it's weird, because last year um, we had problems with Anthony Davis, and uh, we got to the point to starting 
Wenyan Gabriel. And this here, Stats isn't even giving the chance for Derek Jones. He he gave him a few minutes, but it was just because Norm was in foul trouble and he didn't want to put CJ right away, right after he got off. Uh, so it's weird for me how how he starts a guy that barely played uh, last year, starts a guy on the Lakers that barely played in the regular season and a guy that has started multiple times for us this season and, and has proven he can be a, a very good defender. He has started multiple times. He's not even seeing the minimum minutes on the playoffs. Um, I I have been skeptical about him uh, a lot of times, I'll admit. But um, he absolutely needs to be out there uh, as a realistic solution to cover for the MPJ Aaron Gordon issues. You know, I think he would be a perfect defender for MPJ. He's long. He's athletic. He can, you know, move around quick just like MPJ can. So I think defensively, that's a perfect person to have guard him. And I, I think know you said this. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, I think we said this before um, in the podcast before game one as well that if MPJ plays well, we all wanted to Derek Jones Jr. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and I know his. You know, I know we. We're trading offense for defense, but honestly, I think his offense can help us out just as much. Him being that, you know, corner spot up in the corner, and then as we're driving in, cutting in at the same time for an alley oop, which Miami did all the time. I, and I don't, I feel like we could do that just as much as they could. So I think our offense, although it would have one less, you know, shooter, I think we could still make, make him usable on offense as well. So the last question Young Crayon had for us, and it's a very hot topic for me, <laughs> is Terry Stott's decision to keep Nurkic in with five fouls and the lack of adjustments that Terry Stotts is famous for never making. So I'm going I'm to start off because I have some stuff I want to say about this. I was watching this game with my wife last night, and as the game's going on and he picks up his fourth foul, he picks up his fifth foul, and I, and I look to my wife, and I say, I think there was 10 minutes left, nine minutes left. I said, he's got five fouls, and there's nine minutes left. And the game wasn't out of hand yet. And I looked at her, and I said, Stotts needs to take him out and put in, I mean, at that point, I was fine with him putting in Harry Giles. I didn't care who he put in as long as Nurkic was yeah. gone. I didn't want to not have him if we were to make a run. And, of course, not even... Not even the next possession. He runs down, gets an offensive charge, and is out of the game. And it frustrates me so much that you look at that clock and you see nine minutes to go. And I, I honestly can't remember what the score was, but it wasn't an insurmountable lead that we couldn't come back from. I think it was 13, maybe yeah. 15. Yeah, so putting him, letting him sit till there was four minutes left, three minutes left, and then bringing him back in if we got close, I would rather have that than have nine minutes of not having him at all, which is what ended up happening. And that type of thing there is why a lot of people think that it's time for Stotts to leave. His in-game adjustments, his decision-making, a lot of times it feels like he makes a game plan, and then it's just we have to stick with this game plan whether it's working or not. And that's what a lot of people get frustrated about. They, they're always saying that he's being outcoached in the playoffs. You know, he's being outcoached in, you know, just certain games. And this right here is a prime example of a bad decision. And then what's even worse and what made me even more frustrated is he tries to challenge that oh. 
that charge. So it wastes our challenge on a clear charge. He lowered his shoulder. So to add insult to injury, we lose Nurkic for the rest of the game, and now we can no longer challenge the play. Challenge any play. And I think that's it was just like a double whammy. It was just one bad decision after another bad decision. So that got me frustrated. And at that point, I kind of felt like if we make a run, it's going to be tough if, it, if this game were to go into overtime, if it was a one-possession game with us having the lead and needing to make a stop. I was worried. So once you lose Nurkic, who's you know one of the best rim defenders that we have, I mean, I felt like we were kind of, at that point, it was a lost game for us. Does anyone else want to add to that? Yeah, um, I, I'm just thinking, gathering my thoughts. Um, you covered almost like everything, so I guess I'll just say that uh, one, I think, like obviously the Stotts is to blame for whatever he didn't he didn't pull Nurk, but both of those fouls on Nurk, five, the fifth and sixth one, they were both so stupid and so avoidable, and like they were calling a lot of really bad calls throughout the, especially that one, God. But those last two on Nurk, they were like completely his fault, and they're really just bad plays by Nurk. Disappointed, like he plays better than that. He shouldn't. He shouldn't have that running out on the three. That was like I saw the foul coming a mile away. That was really disappointing. And obviously the charge, that it was an obvious charge. Yeah, you have to be able to contest a three without ramming into the dude after he <laughs> shot the ball. That's essentially what happened. So I mean. <laughs> Closing out is good, and I like the effort that Nurkic gave trying to close out on that shot. But especially when you know you're four fouls already to just run right into him. Ugh, yeah, that was a tough one. Mike, do you have anything you want to add? I think, um, yeah, I think worse than stats keeping Nurk in with five fouls is Nurk right after he does the fifth foul. Going and lowering his shoulder on the screen, I think that proves like that um, the players were all frustrated at at the point of the game, and at that point I knew like uh, there was no hope in the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that that sixth foul killed our, our game, not because Nurk went out, but because where where our mentality was. Yep. And and one thing I want to add now that you said that. I noticed this with Nurk a lot in regular games and also now in the playoffs. There are times when he goes down and he gets a shot and he doesn't get a foul call that he thinks is a foul call. And he will, instead of running back, he, he likes to complain to the ref, which is understandable. And especially in this last game where it was just, oh, it seemed like every little thing was a foul. Every little ticky-tack touch was a foul. But... At this point in the game, you have to just be locked in. You got fouled. You can complain as you're running down the court, but to kind of just stop and look at the ref and talk to the ref and wave your hands and give that whole Denver team time to get down on the court while you're behind, it hurts us more than it you know, helps in a lot of aspects. For sure. So with that being said, we have one more. Actually, looks like looks like two more questions. And this is from Blonjo V. He said, can we expect Tanner, Mello, Anthony Simons to score 20-plus points consistently for us in these playoffs? Is he asking, like, I 20 think each or 20 together? I think, I think I think maybe he's meaning, like, one player to one get us them? 20 oh, okay. at least. 
All right. I think the only player that we can count on that is Melo. Uh, Anthony is good. He can shoot the three. But uh, he's not shooting more than five sixes, five six threes. And Cantor is on very limited minutes right now. As, uh, as also is Melo and Nant. But I think Melo can do more uh, with his short minutes. And Cantor can because Cantor does very rarely get shots. He, the shots he gets he, are offensive boards or very rarely uh, a dime a dime, dime. So I think Melo is the only guy we could uh, hope for 20 points. And I think he should be playing more minutes by now because we need that uh, spark plug off the bench. Uh, yeah, I think he also, he's the only guy we can score. He can score 20 plus consistently, absolutely. He just needs his head in the game. He needs more plays to be set up for him. He needs more rhythm and he needs more minutes. Oh, I'm going to let you input on this. I just want to add one little thing with uh, that frustrates me with Cantor is... I agree that... Okay. Yeah, no, go it, for it. Sure, it's just real quick. Dame will give Cantor these perfect pocket passes, and oh Cantor fumbles God. the ball almost every time, and it's oh. so frustrating to watch. That's all I wanted to add. I'm getting fired up thinking about it. <laughs> Go ahead, Fawad. Finish it. <laughs> one of them in a, the last game, it was like one of such a nice pass, wide open layup, and this guy fumbles the ball, though. Yeah, um, I agree with Mike that if one of them is going to do it, it's going to be mellow. But I don't think we need one of them to score 20. We just need all three of them to collectively score 30. Yeah, for sure. I think that's way more important than individual asset. But um, with Cantor, I think Cantor right now needs a shorter of minutes. And Efren um, is not taking as much shots, so I think that's a little bit unrealistic. But that would be the ideal scenario, for sure. And then one last question. We can just kind of make it a quick one because this podcast has gone a little bit longer. Did it seem like, from this is from Blonde Joe also, did it seem like the players' heads were just not in this game as much? Absolutely. Uh, like, right after Melo got in, he shoved Jokic to the floor and got a technical. And uh, I think all players... Uh, out from them, had their heads like uh, controlled by the arena uh, and controlled by the fans. Um, a lot of players, uh, almost to no exclusion, did dumb fouls at one point of the game. Like fouls where if you had your head in the game, you know, I'm not contesting that. I'm not doing that. Uh, like, for example, CJ turned over the ball and uh, I think it was Aaron Gordon. He had a wide open dunk. And for some reason... Uh, Known for shot blocking, CJ McCollum uh, goes behind Aaron Gordon to try and block his dunk. Obviously, it was an end one. I think uh, by the fourth quarter, everybody lost their head, uh, especially when Nur came out. Like The team was just lost, and we still were like 10 points away, so we shouldn't allow that. Todd should have called a timeout, get her up, more, not tactically, uh, get her up the team mentally. Maybe uh, shift the lineup around. Uh, maybe go small ball when uh, Nurk got out and see, uh, guys, we need to win this game. We are so close. We we good. We made good progress in the third. Let's go and finish the job. Go with a small lineup, um, better mentally, and maybe uh, capture those ten points uh, we were lacking. But yeah, none of that happened. We got our head out of the game. Uh, I think we only spent two timeouts in the fourth. 
uh, and uh, yeah, we absolutely needed that uh, that motivation that we didn't have. Oh, odd. Let me ask you this because I just thought of this: when Nurkic goes out with nine minutes, nine and some change left, and he brings in Cantor. At that point, Cantor hasn't really done anything for us, offensively, really, or defensively. Would you have thought it would, would be a crazy idea to bring in Harry Giles? At least give some high energy in there. That's a. Um, I don't think Harry Giles has proven all that much throughout. This but you're right that Cantor ha- like he hasn't really done anything for us on either end of the floor, especially. So. I personally wouldn't have, but I would not be opposed if Harry Giles came because, like, he he is an energy guy, even though he's not like, super talented. I mean, he is NBA, but like, he I think Nurk uh, Cantor is a better player, but I wouldn't uh, be opposed to the energy that Giles would have brought. Sure, and and this is where not having Zach Collins is really hurting. Oh us. yeah, yeah. So I really wish you so 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 much, so much. Do you guys have anything else you want to add? Uh, uh, I think I'm done. Yeah, I... we already ran a little bit long. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So here's to game three. Hopefully it's a repeat of game one. Uh, I just wanted to shout out real quick. Uh, if you did like the, the intro song and this closing song here, go ahead and check out My Life Pursuing. He's on all the major streaming platforms. And you can stream that as many times as you like. So my life pursuing. Thank you for the for the song. It's called "I'm Trying Jennifer," and I think it's a perfect tie-in for this podcast. Uh, let's hope Game Three goes good for us. And as always, Rip City, baby. Thank you.